you're still auditioning. It's like, bitch, you already are the lead role. Like, yeah, just like ride it, like live in it and enjoy the moment before it's gone. I think that's the part about like trying to make everything perfect that really messes with me is that I feel like I focus so much on it being perfect that I literally miss the ride and then it's over. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to the episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Emily. And welcome back for another episode. So we always start off these episodes like with different story times and different things, but there was one, hear me out. This is going to sound a little weird, but there's a reason I'm bringing this up. Okay. 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 So I was going on my little hot girl walk the other morning and I live near a school and like a church and everything. I don't know like what religion it is. I say this all because I don't know if it has to deal with what these children were doing. Um, <laughs> this already sounds like it's going somewhere. Straight up, straight <laughs> up. I'm being honest about it. It looked like they were in a cult. Um, okay. We do, we do love a cult, right? It was a bunch of little girls in a circle, and they were all wearing white dresses. And, like, I, they could be playing Ring Around the Rosie for all I know. I don't care. Still creepy. Well, Ring Still Around creepy. the Rosie is creepy. Yes. So... But uh, it reminded me of another cult, which is sororities. Oh <laughs> my didn't god! You, didn't you guys? The floodgates of memories just returned. <laughs> yes, you rushed a sorority oh for those my gosh. for those that don't know. Hannah rushed Fun a sorority fact about me. in college, but yeah. you dropped out. I did um, very very quickly. She was a quitter for once in her life. Well, <laughs> honestly. As I'm doing some deep diving into my life, I think I might just be a quitter all around. <laughs> You're a frequent quitter. I'm a frequent, not a frequent flyer, a frequent quitter. <laughs> um, so um, it's okay to uh, quit things that don't serve you. Uh, but, speaking of, sororities did not serve me. <laughs> well, you guys had to dress up all in white, though, during rush week, right? Can you talk about this? Well, I don't think so, but I'm not a part of the sisterhood anymore. So who the fuck cares then? I don't know. Um, no, when we, I don't even know what the word is. When you like pledge your life away and you sign your blood <laughs> in a book, basically is what I felt like I was doing. So a cult. Yeah. So they have this like ceremony thing, I guess, when you become like an official sister. And I just remember not knowing where I was because I took us in buses we had Did to wear, they drug you beforehand? I really don't think so. No, we didn't. They no. blindfold you and I drug you? Gonna, I was trying to remember if they did blindfold us or not, but I don't uh, think they, they did. Like <laughs> um, the more details you go into, the more it just yeah. sounds like a gold. Well, it is sort of, kind of. Um, so You owe them nothing. You could say it's a cult. I mean, yeah, basically, I guess. So we got there and we're all in white. We had to wait in this room and we were in a church. So like what I feel like we uh, did was a little sacrilegious, Um, but we all had to walk down the aisle as they called our names to the president who was like behind in blood. no she was behind a white <laughs> sheet and all you could see was her floating head and i felt like i was in like some bad horror movie like something like blood was about to be spilled on the white sheet uh and we had to sign our name in a book and i'm pretty sure it was red ink and i don't know if that was supposed to like signify blood and then we said some like chants or songs or i don't know honestly to be completely honest with you i kind of think I blacked out because I don't really remember all of the details, but I just remember feeling very concerned about what I had just done. <laughs> I was like, at no point were the red flags waving. The, well, they were, were the sirens they ringing. were white flags for a bit. <laughs> I was just... For a bit, it looked like it was a carnival. Yeah, like living, living on the high of having all of these... New 150 friends. So how you felt at that moment is how I feel when I'm in, on first date. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, yes, everyone here loves me. They are 
you know, validating me and making me feel awesome. And then the minute you decide to like peace out, they all drop you like a fly. Cool. So yeah, no, that's really odd. I am just trying to picture like little children in a circle in white. And I'm thinking of that. What's that movie? Oh, what's that movie called? It was supposed to be like a horror movie, but they like... Midsommar? Yes. That's what it gives me vibes. Yeah. Which, that's a Midsommar celebration that happens. That's a real thing that happens, like, in Sweden. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it may have been around the same time, because this was, like, a couple weeks ago, and I just, like, remembered it. Um, It may have been around the same time as Midsommar actually was. Oh, that's, like, so spooky. Yeah. So... Uh, I thought we'd take that trip down memory lane. Um, we, we love a good memory. Uh, I'm no longer a sister. Uh, don't ever plan on encouraging my children to become sorority. And we're not dissing. We're not dissing. Well, you're not. You're 100%. not dissing. <laughs> I'm. You're not dissing. I am dissing um, sororities because I, I was yeah. the one that told you not to sign up for yeah. it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we yeah. are. Mm-hmm. Yep, you were right. Yeah, you were right. Trust My me, mom was right. Oh, love hearing that. Yeah. Love hearing I that. Know. There's not many times that you've told me that, and I, you know, cherish every moment that I get <laughs> when you say those words. Um, it's really great. <laughs> Listen. I realize I quit a lot of things. Do you quit a lot of things? No. <laughs> my first... I'm very stubborn. My first recollection of quitting something was when I was five years old, and my mom signed me, signed me up for ballet, and I was so excited. And I got my ballet, like, my ballet shoes. And... But I also got tap shoes, and I wasn't really understanding why. Um, and then... At my first class, we did our little ballet, and then we had to go to our bags and change into our tap shoes, and we had to tap. And I walked out of there, and I said, I am not going back because I don't want to tap dance, and I didn't go back. Most kids, when they're young, do ballet and tap. Mm-hmm. I had to do ballet and tap, and then I did jazz as I got I didn't older. Wanna, so I, did didn't, I didn't want to be a tap dancer, so I wasn't going to be a tap dancer. I said, oh. nope. Okay. My next, I my next, see you from the young age. My next dance experience was in eighth grade. Um, I took hip hop, and <laughs> <laughs> for those of you wondering why I'm dying, it's because Hannah is. This is what it was like. If you've seen her music video, talk about oh, you. Oh God. It's a very stationary music video, meaning she's not moving around a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Because the actor that was in it with her is our dear friend who is a professional dancer. And is incredible. And I have 20 years of dance experience and (laughs) trying to get Hannah to loosen her muscles at all and become self-aware of her body was like pulling teeth. Oh, Um, I hate dancing. Love you. I hate dancing. Love you so much. Thanks. Um, Glad. How but, do you still um, love yeah, me, but not a dancer at oh, all. No. Not a no. dancer. Yeah. No, so I did hip hop and we I was in a big class and then the class got split into two. And instead of being in the big group, I was in the small group. There were like eight of us. So at res- at our recital, I didn't was I the didn't good like dancers versus the bad dancers. Uh, probably. Yeah. Looking back, <laughs> honestly, yeah, probably. Um so at the recital we had to wear these outfits that were god awful. Like two crop tops. Oh, and every booty, every recital booty outfit. Booty shorts, awful. and I was so self conscious of my body in eighth grade that after the first, there were like three nights of recitals. After the first one, I told <laughs> I told my mom I wasn't going back, and I did not. <laughs> I also quit. <laughs> I am not meant to be a dancer. And then tell me why in college I took contemporary dance, and you want to know what I did. Why do I, do I, I had know to this? roll around on the ground and yeah, that's contemporary. And dance. our final was coming up with a dance, and I practiced and choreographed something, and then forgot it. So I just made it up and rolled around on the ground, and I got an A. <laughs> I just wish you could have seen my dancing skills in my contemporary dance class. 
Meanwhile, I was on a competitive dance. Exactly. Let me just sing. All I need to do is sing. The acapella group, the singing, that is where I thrive. The dancing, a zero out of ten. Why didn't you just ask me to choreograph it for you? I had to, I choreographed dances all the time and I, I was like a lead officer in my dance group. <laughs> like, I, honestly, it was my sophomore year and I was doing anything but class. So I was just making it up as I went. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Chasing after I boys did, and all kinds of stuff. I was in my fifth grade talent show and I did decide to dance in that one. I had to choreograph that all by myself. Was it good? Absolutely not. But was I? <laughs> did I sell every inch of that? Absolutely. <laughs> did every girl in that cafeteria later tell me that I was amazing? Hell yes. And that's fine. I did it to impress my crush. And that's it. Um, now, I am not a quitter. Um, I am too stubborn. Uh, the minute I feel like I'm going to fail at something... Most of the time, I'm going to try and, like, push through it. Unless it's, like, learning guitar. I gave up on that I was going to say, I feel like I quit at the things that I don't really see myself doing in the long term. Mm -hmm. But, like, Mm -hmm. the things that I really want to do, I don't quit. So. Yeah. Um, But um, apparently my mom has a very distinct memory of me as, like, a kid. Like, I could not, for the life of me, figure out how to tie my shoes Uh, for a long time and my mom was like it's okay like you don't have to learn and apparently I looked straight at her I was like no mom I'm gonna persevere apparently that's like the word of the week week at at my school school. (laughs) I will persevere and tie my shoes (laughs) (laughs) from that day forward I was a stubborn ass bitch hey um I just like a challenge that's all you do like a challenge yeah do like a challenge oh my gosh that's too funny but <laughs> what has been um, what's been your life like? What has been your captivation recently? Well, life has been hectic. I just got back from a week long vacation that was very, very much needed, and I wish I could. Which is why there was no episode last week. Yes, and that I just wish I could go back to vacation. My captivation, though, is I feel like I'm really late to the train uh, on all of the things that I'm captivated by because I just can't. Keep up with the times and the young children. Um, <laughs> it is the book, The Silent Patient, by Alex Michael Michaelides, or however you say his last name. So good. The twist. What's it about? Okay, let me just, let's just Because I've never heard of this, honestly. Give me, give me a second to pull it up, and I'll read you, like, the little blurb. blurb. If I can find it. What did it for me was the very first line was, I don't have the book on me, but it's something along the lines of like the main character killed her husband. And I was like, whoop, okay, we're starting it off. I love books that just started off like that. Um, But it's a book about Alicia Berenson. Her life is seemingly perfect. She's a famous painter married to an in-demand fashion photographer. She lives in a grand house with big windows overlooking a park in one of London's, London's most desirable areas. One evening, her husband Gabriel returns home from a fashion shoot, and Alicia shoots him five times in the face and then never speaks another word. Alicia's refusal to talk or give any kind of explanation turns a domestic tragedy into something far grander, a mystery that captures the public imagination and casts Alicia into notoriety. The price of her art skyrockets, and she, the silent patient, is hidden away from the tabloids and spotlight at The Grove, a secure forensic unit in North London. Theo Faber is a criminal psychotherapist who has waited a long time for the opportunity to work with Alicia. His determination to get to get her to talk and unravel the mystery of why she shot her husband takes him down a twisting path into his own motivations, a search for the truth that threatens to consume him. It is so good. Nice. It is such a good book. I highly, highly recommend it. I don't like, like if I'm going to rate a book like out of five stars, I really don't think I give a lot of five stars, but this one was so good. I read it in like a day and a half, um, which is pretty quick for me. Like, as I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I can read a book in five hours. At it's this point. so, it's so good. It's so interesting. It's, you know, there's always a twist. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely recommend it if you're into that kind of book, but yeah. So, uh, mine, mm-hmm. 
Thank you for asking. Of course, always. Is uh, it's another film? Are we surprised? No, I I think we just when need. When am I going to start? I think we need a segment, Emily's film segment, real quick. When am I going to start recommending products again? I don't know. When you when we uh, bar, when we buy them, <laughs> but. I did a double feature the other weekend, and it was the weekend before you left, and I have been dying to talk about it. I told you about it, mm-hmm. and I you are not somebody that goes to movie theaters. No. Quite often. Um, you need to go sit your tuchus down okay. uh, in a theater on July 15th. <laughs> That's when it will come out nationwide. Oh, I was like, but what it is, is July 15th? <laughs> I've already seen it. Okay. I've already, it's out... It's out in New York and LA, but it is Marcel the Shell oh, with yes. shoes on. It, y'all, if you this beats Paddington, it beats Finding Dory, it beats any fucking childhood like little children like pal amigo character like Marcel wins. It is if you've seen the video on YouTube. Which, if you haven't, where the fuck have you been at? It is the cutest video ever. Hannah used to be able to do an impression of it. I did it. a TikTok and of it. Did you see it? I know. Okay, I I'll send it to you, and we can post it on okay. the story for the fam. <laughs> but <laughs> I went and saw it opening night, and the director and was there, and a bunch of the other, like the lead animator, one of the writers on the, they were all there. Um, Jenny Slate, for those of you that don't know, Jenny Slate is the voice of Marcel. She's a famous comedian, actress. Hannah, I know you have no idea who the fuck that nope, is. I'll I'll t- show you just later. know uh, Marcel. <laughs> but but uh, her and her husband at the time, they're the ones that came up with Marcel, and they're the ones that uploaded the video on YouTube. The film takes place basically like this guy is staying at this Airbnb, and he finds Marcel and creates the YouTube video and it goes viral and it's all about Marcel wanting to get reconnected with his family because all of his family is no longer living at the house and um, he's trying to find them and it is the cutest thing. I cried fucking hardcore at one part in this film. It is so like I just felt so warm and, you know, happy. And if you've seen the video and you see those little cute moments that he has, like little cute one-liners, that's the entire film. Like, it's so great. And it's just so pleasant. And, yeah, I would... It's also only a 90-minute film, which I love. I love hour and 30-minute films. Wait, the Marcel movie is 90 minutes? It's yeah, like a it's legitimate only film. Yes. I was, and, what the fuck did you think it was, Hannah? Like 30 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's a full feature-length film. It's produced by A24. Yes. Wait, okay. Wait a minute. My, I'm making my fiance go see this with me. This is what I'm fucking <laughs> saying. He doesn't even understand how excited I am. It's a full-on feature-length film. This is like my it childhood. Took seven years. It took them seven years to make this, this film. This is like my childhood dream come true. It is. I'm telling you right now, if you thought Paddington was cute, if you thought Finding Dory was cute, Marcel beats it. Like, it is the most adorable, wholesome, heartwarming film. And, like, I thought my heart was going to explode from happiness. Oh, my gosh. We're I going to see never it. never felt so We're going giddy. to see it. I'm getting nachos. I'm getting a cherry Thank slushy. God. Thank I'm God excited. you finally want to go see something. <laughs> of course it took. It, like, honestly, the last movie I went and saw in theaters was Sing 2. Am I a child? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Sing 2 is not even good. <laughs> That's okay. It's Illumination! I, my grandma wanted to go, so I couldn't tell her no. Illumination is the worst animation in the industry. Aww. There, I said that. Yes, it is. Well, it's I like worst. Tori Kelly, so I went to support. <sighs> but I must be a child, because it's pretty much Disney movies and Harry Potter. You you would you will love you will love Marcel. Okay. It is just oh God. So I saw that and then <laughs> the next day I saw Elvis. <laughs> Okay, wait. I do kind of want to see the Elvis movie. So okay, I'm gonna try and like sus- like explain this succinctly. Basically, yes, you can cringe all you want about Austin Butler's accent that he keeps doing, or like the how he's like lowered his voice recently in all these interviews since. But his performance as Elvis is iconic. I it is truly one of the best performances I have seen in a very long time. I think he is phenomenal. Tom Hanks, on the other hand, it's uh, really annoying. Like there was too much of him. He plays Elvis's manager. There was too much of him in this film. I wanted more of Elvis. 
you will go into this film and you might feel a little bit exhausted watching it. The reason I say that is because it's a Baz Luhrmann film. Baz Luhrmann, who's directed Moulin Rouge, Leonardo DiCaprio's Romeo and Juliet, and The Great Gatsby, his style of film, it's very, very fast paced. Um, it's very dramatic. There's a lot, there's just a lot going on. Like you just feel like you're like just going, going, going. There's not really ever long takes. Um, every you know, shot is being changed every three seconds. You know, we're not holding still on anything for a long period of time. So to the eye, it can be over exaggerating and very exhausting, but that is his style. And I think it works because you are trying to basically fit 50 years of this man's life on to two hours and 30 minutes. It's another thing. It's almost a three hour long film. Yeah. So it's pretty long. Um, but at the end of the day, I did enjoy it. And I did like it, and I would I would recommend people go see it. I gave it three and a half stars out of five on Letterboxd, but yeah, go see it if you are into that kind of thing. Um, I wish there were some parts that he would have gone more like more into and everything mm-hmm. with his life, especially how crazy the last couple of years of his life were, uh, like with the drug abuse. Uh, but. Yeah, Austin, I think did a did a great job, and the sound design of. That film is phenomenal because they did mesh Austin and Elvis's voice together in a lot of the songs. Um, so the mixing and mastering of the sound is really great. But yeah. So I saw a TikTok of an interview Vanessa did forever ago, Vanessa Hudgens. And yes, she I know exactly had, what you're talking about. Yeah. She had said that he should play Elvis. They're not still together, are they? No. Okay, I didn't think so. No, Isn't he's that dating, cool, though? He's Isn't dating Kaya cool? Gerber now. Isn't that cool that he... Like, like she, but apparently they, they, that this film is the reason they broke up too at the same time. Like they were, they broke up around the same time he started filming this. Oh, so interesting. I don't know. He's a method actor, so I don't encourage that. Uh, but that also would explain why he Isn't that has what Shia LaBeouf is? It's what Shia LaBeouf, it's what Jared Leto, it's what Joaquin Phoenix, it's what a lot of men do when they want to play assholes. Um, I don't believe in method acting. It is not a form of acting, just... Act. Don't you don't need to become the character. You don't need to like live in their life. Just act. It's fine. If you yeah. can't do that, then you're not probably not a good actor. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> nice. So yeah, uh, kind of feel like we went a little bit like all over the place, but that's fine. I mean, love when we have these little chats. Uh, but if you gals love hearing us talk we have a plethora of episodes ranging from dating lifestyle friendship self-care healing spirituality that you can dive into after this episode we also have a instagram at the gals guide pod which you can go check out other you know additional like reels that we have or creating a tiktok as well the gals guide that you can you know see more in depth from our interviews that we've had on in the past and you can also follow us on our personal social medias mine's at emily elise hers at hannah nicole adams and yeah we would just love for you gals to become a part of this community and if you're listening on any platforms like apple or spotify you can hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more episodes like this one but before we get into that we are going to take a quick little break and then we're going to get into the episode okay so today we i feel like you and i both this is a topic that we could both relate to and it's something that we're kind of both currently like going through like in a way I guess you could say and it is perfectionism and it's how perfectionism can overrun and overtake your life in some ways and what all that stems from and how the anxiety behind it really is what is the most exhausting part I think of it and Sometimes I wonder if I'm just like inflicting it on myself or if it's more subconscious. And there are times when I'm able to catch myself when I feel like I'm being a perfectionist, when I feel like I am making, like I'm, I'm being my own worst critic. So therefore I am exhausting myself and I'm giving myself the anxiety. It's not an external factor doing it. It's literally all internal. And how do you cope with that? How do you tackle that? How do you learn to quiet that little voice in the back of your head, especially if you're creative? It's so, 
it's always there. It never shuts up. And how do we deal with that? How do we learn to live with that? And I thought we could both start off by talking about our personal experiences that we've dealt with when it comes to perfectionism. When we said we were going to talk about this, I was like sitting, trying to figure out like where I felt like I saw my first perfectionism moment. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was thinking really hard and I like, couldn't truly pinpoint it, but I started thinking of like things that happened in childhood, like at school that I even saw myself being like a perfectionist. Uh, like, and it's so like little things like in our elementary schools, we had this program called accelerated reading and you had to like read a book within your level and then take a test. And it like, it was like AR test and you had all these points and you had to get like an 80 or better. And so even in like stuff like that, um, we, in the third grade, I remember doing these like multiplication quiz things and we had like a. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. minute to try to answer all of the problems and so I just like always wanted to make a hundred percent like I always wanted to do better than the person beside me and I don't know if I can actually pinpoint like where that stems from and why I was so hard on myself when I made mistakes instead of embracing the mistakes and like trying to learn from them and like attack a problem from another perspective. And I feel like that's something that I've really had to work on in my adult life because I want everything to be perfect. I am a control freak. I have anxiety about everything. I go worst case scenario on many issues. And I'm really trying to like sit in the present moments and pay attention to the good things that have happened and not trying to give like the negative, the energy that it's desiring, but also using the mistakes that I've made to like, I don't know, like it's okay to make mistakes. And I feel like we live in a world and we grew up in, in such a culture and school and college where we had to be straight A's and get the 4.0 and get the job and get the promotion. And, and it's okay to like make a mistake, like, I took a job recently that I thought was my dream job and I quickly realized that it's not. And at first I was like, oh, I made such a mistake. Like this, I'm not happy here, but I'm trying to flip the narrative of saying like, honestly, if I hadn't taken it, I would have always wondered. And the good thing about it is now I can put that dream job to bed. It's no longer my dream. And I kind of know like, what I'm good at and where I thrive and that it's okay that I didn't thrive in that setting. And I was really hard on myself for a while because I felt like I let myself down. I let the people I worked with down. I let everyone who believed in me in the position down. And I was like, you know what? That's not the case. Like that's just where I am not supposed to be. And, and it's okay to try something and not like it. And like find something that you like better and so Mm -hmm. it's just been like it's just challenging I think and I think perfectionism like comes and goes in places in your life that you wouldn't even expect it to like work relationships friendships family like I just feel like 
I'm always trying to be that like perfect daughter, perfect friend, perfect fiance, perfect coworker. And I just, I've started to realize as I get older that it's like not sustainable. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. And it puts a lot of pressure on yourself that you don't need. Nobody, and that no one else. No, I was going to say, nobody expects you to be perfect. Like, people expect mistakes. We are human. And so it's just, it's just retelling myself that narrative every day. And it's something that I've just had to kind of like make peace with that it's not going to be 100% the way that I thought it was always. So, what I found was for a lot of people, and I think this is something that I also found as well, too, was. A lot of perfectionism for me came from a need to not, you know, show my like imposter syndrome. Mm. That that was like the root of it, and that if I was perfect, then then I did I did belong here. I was worthy in that way. I think a lot of people that it comes from that worthiness, the need to feel like, oh, if I'm perfect, then I deserve to be loved. I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of praise, um, attention, whatever it may be. And, uh, it's just that reassurance that I, you know, I des- I am here. Like, I deserve to be here. And it's really like, you're already there. You don't need to do any extra work. I mean, I felt a lot of that in grad school, uh, which is ironic because when I applied to grad school, they wanted to know one reason why I wanted to go back to school because I'd taken a year off between undergrad and grad. And I had said that I think the real world doesn't allow for people to fail that much. And I wanted to have that opportunity by going to grad school because it is a place where you should be allowed to fail and you try and you learn and you see what you're good at. And, uh, I get there and I'm like, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. This is one of the most prestigious film schools in the country. I don't deserve to be here. And I'm, you know, going to become a perfectionist in order to hide the fact that I feel like I'm an imposter uh, when I'm already there. I'm already at the table. There's a seat there. There's a, my name is at, like, there's a name plate and everything yeah. for my seat. <laughs> like, and so it comes from that. And I, it's also, I, I can't point out when I've started doing any of that. I, it's, it either was so long ago or like, I just don't remember the exact occasion that I started doing it. I know a lot of it probably came from having ADHD and wanting to hide that and trying to be perfect by doing that. But a lot of it probably stems, especially in relationships with work and everything. It's no, like I, I, I'm worthy of being here. I'm worthy of this place. So I'm going to be a perfectionist in order to prove that. And for you to be impressed by me, um, And ultimately, when you try to be perfectionist, I tend to at least mess up more (laughs) than if I wasn't. And uh, it's weird because then the praise I get from it doesn't feel as genuine. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, It's like, well, no, yeah, I should be. I did do a fucking great job at this. Yes, I should be thankful of that. But... Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. In the end, that's what it always came back to for me. And, you know, after I finish whatever it is that I'm trying to be perfectionist about, I am just exhausted. And it, 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 I can finally breathe because it's like it has a grip around me the whole time. But I, I need to learn how to release this script and how I can free myself because ultimately it's just these self-limiting beliefs that are holding me back in that way. And so how do we do that? How do we, how does it manifest into our behavior in everyday life? What does that look like? Cause it's not just, you know, making sure that, you know, your writing's perfectly grammatically correct yeah. or that you're always like pristine and polished. It's make, or like that you're on your best behavior. It's always, I feel like, auditioning in a way yeah you're auditioning for this role that you feel like you deserve when you already have that role no Mm -hmm. one's questioning whether or not if you just you're cast in a play 
and you're even through rehearsal up to up to the opening night, you're still auditioning. It's like, bitch, you already are the lead role. Like, yeah, just like ride it, like live in it and enjoy the moment before it's gone. I think that's the part about like trying to make everything perfect that really messes with me is that I feel like I focus so much on it being perfect that I literally miss the ride and then it's over. Mm -hmm. And so then, then I focus on like, okay, well, what's the next task? Instead of just like enjoying the completion of the task or whatever it is, like I don't even sit in and revel in that. Like I just, I like literally am so worried about the outcome that I miss what's happening while I'm creating or while I'm in a relationship or a friendship or, you know, whatever. And I hate that because I feel like that, that goes back to like speaking and to try and like be more present in your life. And I always feel like I'm not, even when I try to be, I feel like I'm not. And so mm. that's something I've been like really trying to, to focus on in this past like couple months is like just literally taking it day by day. If I'm working towards something like that outcome and finished product will come. But if I don't enjoy these moments up to it, then it's going to feel like it all just like disappeared. So have you, have you felt that way since starting to plan this wedding, since that is an event that people typically tend to be perfectionists about? Yeah, I feel like, um, I don't know if I would say I've taken it to the, like, everything must be perfect level yet. Um, I feel like out of all of the things that I've ever, I guess, created or whatever, this one's doesn't seem as stressful and doesn't have as much, I don't know, like, I don't want to say there's like not a lot at stake, but like things that I've created where I've been perfect, like music, for example, like, I feel like, I don't know, I just, this seems different to me. And I've been able to be a little bit more relaxed around it, which has been refreshing, because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm actually enjoying the process. Whereas like in the past with things, I've just been so focused on the outcome that I don't enjoy the process. And with this one, like I know the outcome's going to be great. And honestly, when it comes down to it, I just want to be married. And I think letting go of the expectation of it needing to be a perfect, beautiful, amazing, immaculate wedding was the first thing that I did because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to spend the money that people do on TikTok and social media and Pinterest. And so I just went ahead and said, this is not going to be a Pinterest wedding, it will still be beautiful in, and it will be a reflection of me and it will be a reflection of Blaine and it will be a reflection of our families. And at the end of the day, it's just a party to celebrate the main purpose of being there, which is to get married and spend the rest of my life with him. And so I letting go of the expectation in the beginning has helped me be able to let go of the like nitty gritty perfect details that I think I would have spent hours and hours focusing on if I hadn't just let go of the expectation that I'm not going to be able to achieve in the first place. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I have, Mm -hmm. and not to say that I like don't think my wedding's going to be beautiful because I do like all the things that I've done are very pretty. They're very me, but I just think that like letting go of that idea in the beginning has helped me be able to not focus on it. Um, so as much as it's been stressful just with like little things going wrong, it's not been a like stressful process. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it does. Um, I would say like, cause like, I feel like, where do you feel like your perfectionism manifests the most in your behavior? Is it more like with work or is it more like with personal accomplishments, like your music? I think it's... Or is it more in, like, I think family? mainly it's in work, and then I would also think it's probably in, like, my music. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I sit down and I have all of these really good ideas when it comes to music, and then I don't do anything about it because I'm like, well, I cannot... Like, I'm not going to be able to live up to the idea that I had in my head. It's really hard for me. Like, I have a good idea in my head or I hear a song in my head. And it's really hard for me to explain it or, like, get it out on paper or, like, in a recording. So then I'm just like, oh, whatever. Because, like, I can't. (laughs) I'm like, I just, I don't know how to express my thoughts. And so, um, so I think with that, I shut down a lot. 
And then in work, I just want everyone to think I'm the best. <laughs> Let's be honest. Because when you get the validation that you are good at your job, you feel that you're worthy mm-hmm. then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It all stems yeah. down to that one time we were in, we found out we had a talent. Because ever since I knew I could sing, I just want everyone to tell me I'm a good singer. Like when I was little. And I think that constant validation is, like, something I search for in every area of my life. See, I don't find that with writing, though. Mm. I've never felt that way with writing. And I think it's because, God, when did I start? I wrote my first story when I was six years old um, and was told I was a good writer. And then I didn't really do much creative writing. I did some. And then I did one seriously in high school, and my teacher told me I was a good writer. My mom had always pressured me to be a writer. And then I got into the writing program at my undergrad. And then I got into my MFA program for writing. I've only received positive feedback from my writing. Therefore, I've never had to prove that I was a good writer, Mm. I think. I always felt that... No, I've... Not saying that, like, I, I know that I, I know my writing's bad. I know when my writing is bad. Yeah. Trust yeah. me, I can tell. Well, same but. as me. Like, I know when I have a bad audition. Like, I know deep down that I'm like, mm, that probably wasn't the best one. Yeah. But, but yeah, I see what you're saying. I've uh, never had to, like, prove that I was good at writing. Um, I think the areas of film that I had to prove at was that I was a good director. Mm. That's where. Yeah. That's where it comes in at, is that. No, like I, I deserve to be here, and I deserve to be in a film program, one of the most prestigious pro- film programs, and I deserve to be a director, and I am a good director, because I haven't received that validation before. It's not saying that someone's told me I'm bad before. This is something new that I am trying. This is something new where I have not received years and years, decades of support behind, so... It's like, no, am I good? Like, I need someone to back me up here. Like, am I good? So I nitpick and I'm so detailed at it so that no one can question whether or not I am good. Um, And this is not to say that I'm not a perfectionist with my writing. I am. You, I will make sure that I can play out the whole scene in my head before I even write it down. Like, I, like, again, I going back to, I don't believe in drafts, which is not good. Um, yeah, I, I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. I'm trying to be better about drafts because they're very important. Yes. And it's okay. And, and it's okay to make mistakes. That's the whole premise of this is that it's okay because you're going to make something yeah. better from it. I think that's the part. And you can also, like we said with Lauren on here before, our astrologer friend that we've had on this podcast before, um, when you like for writing, for example, when you have drafts, you're able to see your progress, you're able to see your growth, um, you're able to see your development and your change. And um, for me, it's not that I drafts make me anxious or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that, and I can only articulate this through writing, but it's you have a blank page that is super daunting to look at, and so it makes me feel more comfortable when I can outline or I can play out the whole scene in my head and then going to tackle that white page doesn't feel as scary because I have a roadmap in some way. And that is where a lot of my anxiety from being perfectionism has been able to let go because it's like, no, like, you know what you're doing. You have a plan. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, you're going to be able to tackle this. And I know a lot of my perfectionism came in when, with All We Were when I was making that film was through directing, but also through acting because that is where I got criticism in my past before. Um, because while I am confident that I am an actor, I wasn't always rewarded for it like I was my writing. So, and then acting along somebody, acting along somebody who I believe is an amazing actor is also terrifying at the same time because I'm trying to be as good as them when I don't need to prove that I'm good as them. Like one, this person already thinks I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously they would not have done this film with me if they thought I wasn't, but, um, it's me trying to prove to myself that this, no, like I didn't get this validation before. So I'm going to prove to myself now that I am, and I'm going to be perfect about it and all these different things. Um, but 
it's interesting how that also manifests, I think, within my relationships that I have too, where with friendships, I don't feel like I need to be a perfect friend all the time because I do, I know that I am a a good friend. I have validation for that. Um, I have amazing friends for that. Uh, (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Wasn't talking about you. Um, (laughs) Noted. Noted. (laughs) Um, But relationships that's not been the case yeah and so it's me trying to be perfect trying to audition as the perfect girlfriend so that i feel worthy of your love and i feel like i deserved it i've earned it in that way Mm. um yeah so yeah that's a good point that you bring up though like i feel like what we're all searching for is like feeling just feeling worthy i mean yeah because it can come into like people being like the perfect daughter yeah um the perfect mother like that i am I am the perfect mom, so therefore, and I'm a, I'm a good mom, and I deserve that r- love and attention, you know, and someone to say that. And then when someone finally does say it, it's like, okay, well, I, I could be better. Yeah, it's that, that always, You're, like, you always are, like, reaching for the next level of being better. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, I don't know if people felt this before the internet and social media, but I always feel... I feel like comparison is so much more prevalent in our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And so with people who struggle with wanting everything to be perfect, it's hard to not like look at someone else and be like, oh my gosh, they're doing this. this is, why am I not doing this? I need to do this to make me better. We have a lot of pressure on us to be even better because of watching mm-hmm. what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So, But when we get to the root of perfectionism, you know, of that needing to be worthy, needing to be loved, needing that validation... I think at the same time, these are all external things that we're looking for mm-hmm. when perfectionism is something that's internally rooted and it's reminding yourself that you are enough yeah. within yourself because that's, that's where the working, that's where the healing comes from is your inner confidence, that inner healing, that inner child yeah. healing as well, inner teenage healing. Um, and you know, reminding yourself that all that matters is the day is you and what you think of yourself. It does not matter what anybody else thinks. Um, and I know that this is easier said than done, but I think it, in the day it comes back to, you know, coming back to yourself, you know, at the end of the night, like before you go to bed, sitting with yourself and just affirming everything that you've accomplished, everything that you've done, verbalizing that into the world that I am, I am a good daughter. I am a good mom. I am a good wife. I am a good husband. I am a good father. I am a good worker. I am a good singer. I am a good writer. I am a good girlfriend. I am a good boss. I'm trying to think of so many things. No, yeah. But I am, you are innately good. And when you affirm that, and you verbalize that and you, I think it's great when you're able to like look in the mirror, say these things, say them back to yourself, because I think it processes more and the more you say that and the more you just go ahead and think with good intentions, like I am doing my best. And if someone doesn't like that, that it's not a reflection of me and what I'm doing. I am a human. You are not a robot. You're not AI at the end <laughs> of the day. Like You are allowed to be flawed. And that is a part of the human experience. And it's what makes you beautiful in that way. Because no one who's perfect is real. Like You can sit there on Instagram and see you know, Kendall Jenner and all these other girls like on their Instagram feeds who look perfect. But are like you truly happy at the end of the day that's what it comes down to yeah uh, i think when people are having perfectionism it's there's some unhappiness that's deeply rooted somewhere that they're trying to fix by being a perfectionist in that way and i think just taking that time to understand like what it is that you're trying to heal internally would be where i would start out with and i think it's just being alone with yourself more meditating affirming and you know we've always said we want to make affirmation cards for the gals (laughs) um because these are things that we are constantly telling each other 24 7 Mm -hmm. but it's you know going back to the root of that you are enough yeah that you you belong at the table you don't need to keep auditioning for this seat at the table um for that role in that play like you are the lead role you're you're on broadway sweetheart um (laughs) like you're good (laughs) it's okay and um 
it, there's, but there's all at the end of the day, there's no, we're not saying don't, don't stop trying. Don't stop trying hard. Don't stop giving it your best bet. That is always, when you do that, I know that the best intentions are usually coming from that. And that's all you're trying to do, but make sure that you're, you're doing it not for the external factors of somebody, what somebody else thinks of it. It's, you're doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, I, I know I could do better and I want to do better because I, I know I am better. Yeah. And I've, I've seen myself be better. I'm not doing it because, oh, I want them to think that I am better or that I am this pedestal statue of a person or whatever. It's no one, it's not, that's nothing anybody can live up to when you're doing it internally for yourself. That's, that's when it's good. Yeah. Like focusing on the meaning of meaning behind what you're doing versus like the perfection being it being perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I also think like once, once you understand how perfection, perfectionism is present in your life, I think you're then able to like change that self-talk around it too. Um, I think journaling is really good for that. Being able to like write it out um, Mm -hmm. and like trying to cut out like any negative influences that are in your life. Like if you're constantly scrolling and you see someone and you're like, oh, why can't I just do this? Like maybe take a break from that person. Um, Yeah. Someone's constantly telling you that you're not enough. Um, Yeah. And like if (laughs) if you're like constantly comparing yourself to them or jealous of their, what Mm -hmm. they, Mm -hmm. what they're showing you, their perfect highlight reel, then like take a break from looking at it. Like you just, you don't owe anyone anything and you just have to learn how to lower the pressure on yourself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that's great. I think that sums it up really well. Um, I would say, like, for our survival tip uh, for this episode, I, I think I wrap it up really well with saying, like, you don't need to keep auditioning to have your spot at the table. You have the nameplate already there. You know, the plate is set. <laughs> You're, people are ready for you to sit down at this table. And as long as you're working internally and not externally, that is all that matters at the end of the day. Uh, and as long as you're happy, because the minute you start doing it and trying to be perfect out of anxiety, that's when it's not good. That's when it's draining from you. As long as it's coming from a space, place of, you know, happiness and, you know, perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think that's when it's fine. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey.